This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. And I'm Jenny. Hello, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Uh, yeah, new releases. Yeah, new releases. Recent arrivals. A lot of new things that are coming out lately. So That's we cool. have a, a long list to look at. We may not mention everything. kind of have two kinds these days. We have things that are actually new and things that are new to CD that had already been available in Audible. So mm-hmm. it's something to wade through. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. So which should well, we start sh- with, the recent what? arrivals or the new releases? Sure, <laughs> let's do recent arrivals. Okay. Anything on that list stick out to you guys? Yeah. On, um, when I was looking at it, the first one that leapt out to me is Death World. Death World. By Harry Harrison. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've read that book. That's that's a, a good audio book. Yeah, and it's you've listened to the audio? Yeah, it's um, it, it, not that particular one, because um, the one I heard is on LibriVox, which was read by Greg Marguerite. But it's mm-hmm. a Harry Harrison novel. And oh, it's public domain? Yes, public domain. I mean, not this particular one because it's it's uh, copyright recorded, but uh, the one on LibriVox is free, and it's a it's a pretty interesting book. It's basically it takes the idea that there's a there's a planet that's so dangerous that the people who live on it are they've been evolved to be stronger than human beings. So a human being comes and visits these people and all the humans on that planet are like they're super badasses compared to him and the idea is that the planet just kills everybody who comes to it because it's so dangerous and the question is is why is it so dangerous and the answer is not, mm. not too terrible actually it's pretty interesting That's good. and it's good yeah. good writing this is from uh, Brilliance Audio and read by Jim Roberts hmm. mm-hmm. uh, six hours long I think they've got a bunch of uh, of I think Jim Roberts uh, has a bunch of those, right? So Storm Over Warlock, that one also is public domain. So this is like a a series. We don't have a cover for this, but uh, oh, audiobook stand, you do have a cover for it. So this speculative, I guess, is what they call it. Is their um, their I don't know brand for public domain stuff? Hmm. Have you noticed that the cover yeah, they- have this really cool font and sort of a generic. Photograph is the background. Yeah. Hmm. I should note that we also got Death World Two in mm-hmm. along with Death World. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> so is that is the subtitle for that the Ethical Engineer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Four hours long on that one. I'm sure. I haven't read that one myself. Neat. Yeah, it should yeah be those one. those sound pretty good. You know, I like Harry Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, you listen to a lot of those. Uh, Stainless steel rats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good writer. He's he's super clear. Like some 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 writers like Greg Bear, you know, you read him and you don't read him because he's he makes it very easy to understand what he's trying to say. You can't really understand what he's trying to say, but what he's saying is so cool. Whereas uh, Harry Harrison, super clear, and whether you know he's talking about a, uh, it's kind of like Asimov. You know, you really know what's going on at all times. Um, and and when he finds an interesting topic, it really makes for a good read. And he wrote Soil and Green, right? 
or make room, make room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't read and we were talking about doing as a read-along at one point. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah. We have Planet of the Damned as well. I think that came in a later shipping, but um, that one's still available for a review if any of you want it. Hmm. Someone took the other two already. <laughs> cool, cool. Let's read the Planet description on that one, because I'm not sure I've read Planet that. Um, in Planet of the Damned, Brian Brand, the winner of the 20s, a kind of planet-wide Olympics of both mind and body, barely has time to savor his victory when he is called away by a previous winner to help save Dis, a planet that seems intent on its own destruction and the destruction of its neighbor. Um, something about racing against a doomsday clock. It will take all their skill, courage, and empathy. Mm. Mm. So it's another one that deals with planetary evolution, yeah. causing differences in that planets. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. And it's six hours, so that's not terribly long, is it? Oh, oh yeah, manageable. Yeah. Very good. Very neat. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I Back in the old days, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I I think they you know for for basically I, I was pretty impressed by this collection you know the, the they did a really good job with the font I mean it's not it's not like uh, it's not like they spent thousands of dollars on um, producing these right all these public domain ones because they can't but I, I they package them beautifully and uh, Jim Roberts I I don't know if I've read him has anybody heard Heard him as the narrator? I don't think so. He doesn't ring a bell to me. A lot of the speculative sub-label ones seem to be coming from, I don't know how you say it, Jim Sin Recordings. Ah. That could be Jim, the same Jim, perhaps? I would guess so. So maybe this is just a way to get him more distributed. Yeah. Maybe they bought it from him, I don't know. It seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Good for him. Good job. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll look forward to that. Great. Uh, another one well, in that category that I really zeroed in on is the Ursula K. Le Guin. Mm. Oh, is that one of those speculative ones? No, I don't. No, it's it's separate. It's just from Brilliance Audio, but I'd put it in the same category because it's pretty pure science fiction. At least that's what it looks like. Um, and I meant to go back and see when the book itself came out because I don't know how long ago that was. I haven't read the telling before. I've not even heard of it. Yeah. Well, it says it's a highly anticipated addition to her acclaimed Hainish cycle, but it looks like Mm. it was one of the ones that came out in Audible in 2009. Um, But I'm mentioning it anyway because it sounded kind of up my alley. Social anthropology of the future on a culturally rich world. Yeah. Yeah, um, it came out in 2000, it says. Um, oh, okay, so it's... And yeah, The the Dispossessed in uh, novel from 1974 started the Hainish cycle. Oh, so this continues that. Yeah, that, right. it's, a, it's a quite a big sort of loosely connected series, I think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the other... Does it? Do you know what the other books in the cycle are? Uh, the oh, Dispossessed, uh, I, I think there's... I think even like um, her other big one, the... Um, Left Hand of Darkness? Yeah, I think that's in in that same universe. I'm not sure if it's what? the same uh, time period, but she's got sort of a big connected universe as well. They're, they're, they're sort of not connected by character. They're just connected by uh, the basic premise, I think. It's all these separate um, planets have been living without a 
okay. without a empire for a long time, and now they're reconnecting. It's kind of like uh, Asimov's foundation sort of thing. Okay, okay, I found a list. Yeah, I did as well. Row Cannon's World, Planet of Exile, City of Illusions. None of those that I've ever even heard of. <laughs> um, the fourth is Left Hand of Darkness, which I've read several times. Fantastic. The Dispossessed is the fifth. The sixth is the world. The word for world is forest. I've read that one. It's supposed um, to be similar to Avatar. It's a little bit similar to Avatar. It's, it's a very good book and nice and short. The funny thing is, is that this Wikipedia entry, which is what I'm reading, doesn't include the telling, so I guess I'm going to have yeah. to update it. Oh, no, it's, <laughs> oh, it's at the bottom. bottom. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Um, and there's a whole bunch of short stories, it looks like, as yeah. well. Faster than Empires and more slow. Um, and it looks like this won the Locust yeah. Award in 2001, but this came, like, the... The previous book, the last book she'd published before the telling, was 1974. So there's a big span wow. of time in between those two. She must have wanted yeah. to go back to it. Oh, yeah. except it looks like she stories, she did a bunch of stories in between. Yeah, yeah. she must have wanted a number to stay of which there. are on my my short story list. Oh. Cool. Maybe between the two of us, we'll have read everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you bet. <laughs> That's neat. Well, cool. Well, um, you know, the best Ursula K. Le Guin audio that I've heard is, um, oh, and now I'm drawing a blank. It's the her fantasy novels that are really slim. Oh, um, the... Um, Wizard of Earthsea, the Wizard oh, of Earthsea. Right. There's a version of Wizard of Earthsea that's read by Harlan Ellison. Wow. And it is awesome. Wow. It is really good. I wonder if that's still available on Audible. Um, but... It's really, really good. Really worth listening to. Um, the best one I think I've read of Ursula Le Guin's, uh, uh, although the world for the word for world is forest, is an excellent book. Um, it's kind of like uh, her take on Vietnam, you know, like going into a planet and um, colonizing it and killing off the forests with Agent Orange and that sort of thing. So. It's it's pretty uh, it, uh, sort of avatar like, but the lathe of heaven is I think the the one that I like the most, which is um, her take on a Philip K. Dick uh, novel, and she really does a very good job with it. It's a little more, <laughs> even though it's about uh, a guy whose world is always changing, it's a little more put together than a normal Philip K. Dick novel is. It's sort of. It's a more cohesive. She's like a better writer um, than he is, page by page. Uh, but uh, if you like Philip K. Dick, um, but you you know you want it a little more cohesive, that's a really good one. The Lathe of Heaven. They took oh, yeah, I remember- it to a TV movie a couple of times as well. I think. Oh yeah, the old cool. PBS version of that was really good with Bruce Davidson. Yeah, I, I saw that like not at the time, but I think they subsequently re- released it right before they remade it but the the books the books uh, even better it's i mean the, the movie's fine but um it gives you a real good sense of uh you know when your world is changing and your memories are changing and everything around you is changing uh that novel format works really well So, yeah, uh, that, that's the one you've got here. The other wind is that the one with no the telling. The telling. 
Yeah, is what we have. I, I just found one that had Harlan Olsen in one of the Earth Sea books. Yeah, what's interesting is I just looked it up here. Um, it's in my library on Audible, mm-hmm. but it's not available anymore. Oh. So it's still in my downloadable area, but it's not for sale anymore. Mm. Too bad. Yeah, well, I guess you got to yeah. get them while, while they're on there, hey? <laughs> I guess it's good to know yeah. that um, they don't go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. You bet. Well, another one on that list that um, looks really interesting to me is one called Work of the Devil, a novella. This is in the incoming list. By Catherine AMT, <laughs> is her middle name, Hannah. I don't know how you pronounce it. There's not enough value or vowels in there. Amped. <laughs> Yeah, I just Catherine say, Amped Hannah. I always thought it maybe was a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Performed by Nick Podell. Um, it's two hours long. Mm. And here's the description. The road north of the river runs straight to evil. In a remote northern village, a close-knit community survives at the edge of the known world. On the far bank of the river that no one crosses lies an unnaturally straight road. Nothing ever grows on the road, and the curious heat emanating from its surface keeps it uncannily clear of snow and ice. Along this road, Aaron and his companions must travel. It is rumored that at the end of the road lies an object, the work of the devil, which is responsible for the untimely deaths of the villagers. Bummer. So, (laughs) a small band of men volunteer to go destroy this thing, whatever it is. Hmm. And it says it's devilishly short. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yes. I like it. Devil has no time for um, long novels. Yeah, I don't know if we, you know. I'm really loving these novellas on audio. Yeah. Um, I listened to "In the Tall Grass" by Stephen King and his son um, Joe Hill. Joe Hill, and uh, it was pretty wild. You, you're I mean, never going to say Joe Hill and his dad, are you? Yeah, I, I should. <laughs> I ought to. Joe Hill and his dad. I, I like Joe Hill. Joe Hill's writing a lot more because he. I like Joe Hill's writing a lot. Because he's so short, right? His dad is all big, long-winded books. Joe Hill's nice and short. Yeah. You know, I don't know if... uh, I saw on Twitter that Horns was available for like $3 on um, Amazon. So I got it, and it's on my Kindle, but I haven't read it yet. Um, It's good. I I read it. Did you? Yeah, he goes right into the Horns on page one. There's no waiting. (laughs) Just right into it. That's great. That's great. So, so he, uh, this guy ha- wakes up with horns, and then whoever he stands next to becomes uninhibited and just starts telling like the complete truth. Mm. And oh wow! That, that, that was the most fun for me. Mm. Yeah, that's oh, a great cool. concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, neat. And I'm pretty sure there's audio version of that as well. Um, but I just got it uh, for uh, ebook version for the Kindle. So uh, there's more Philip K. Dick on this list too. Surprise! Surprise. <laughs> Vulcan's wow. Hammer, five hours, five CDs. Is that a Star oh. Trek tie-in? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I think it's tie-in to uh, Roman Empire, probably. <laughs> Vulcans don't use hammers. Um, with, this is another one I haven't read. I, I really don't know much about it. Uh, after the 20th century devastating, uh, the 20th century's devastating series of wars, the world's governments banded together into one globe-spanning entity, committed to peace at all costs, ensuring that peace is the Vulcan is the Vulcan supercomputer responsible for all major decisions. This sounds like uh, another book, Colossus. Uh, but some people don't like being taken out of the equation, and others resent the idea that Vulcan is taking the 
place of God. As the world grows ever closer to an all-out war, one functionary frantically tries to prevent it. But the Vulcan computer has its own plans, plans that might not include humanity at all. This sounds really good. I, 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 have you guys seen that movie? It's called Colossus. That was based on a, a novel. Yeah, a long time ago. It doesn't doesn't ring a bell to me. Oh, it's it's really good book. Uh, I'm sorry, not book. I haven't read the book. The movie's really really good. Um, Tam, uh, do you re- recognize the main actor from that movie? It's so long ago. You probably don't. He's uh, a, I, I couldn't. I recognize his face. I couldn't say his name. He's a German actor, um, and you do recognize his face because he's he's on one of those daytime soap operas that have been running okay. forever. Um, I can't remember his name, but he he's he's like he's really young and handsome in the movie. And today he's like working every day, and he's he's like one of those big bad guys or whatever on on a daytime soap opera. If they're, if they're still around, they were you know, 10 years ago uh, when I saw one. <laughs> um, but uh, he he did this one movie, and then that seems to be it. He just went straight to TV, and he's been working on that show ever since then. But the movie, His name is Eric Braden? Yeah, Eric Braden, that's right. So uh, the movie's really, really got a great premise, um, and that's the human beings are uh, going to solve their problems by having computers make all the decisions for about, you know, uh, international conflict. So they build a giant computer called Colossus, the government does, and they give it nuclear launch codes so that it can, it can um, uh, protect in case the, the Russians attack, right? The Russians attack, instant, instant attack uh, response. So it's faster than a human and fallible human beings. Um, but as soon as they finish, you know, protecting it, building up all these walls under a mountain and giving it the nuclear launch codes, it says, I'm in charge now. <laughs> it, goes, it goes Skynet on the refs. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, a, it's a really fun uh, movie because the, it's kind of like a child, right? It's, it's like one of those old uh, Twilight Zone uh, shows where, you know, if you don't give it exactly what it wants, it, it kills you. Or takes your face off, or something like that. Hmm. Um, wow. And that's a there's this whole series of books that I was hoping would be audiobooked at one point. But this one sounds uh, Vulcan's Hammer sounds like you know Philip K. Dick would probably have an even better idea to do with it. I'm thinking that one might be for me. Oh no, Dan VK's got it. Damn, <laughs> you have to jump quickly for those. <laughs> so, Dan, who is Dan VK? I've seen him reviewing a whole lot of stuff. He's one of our new reviewers. Okay. That's great. Virtual computer? Is that the... Oh. <laughs> okay. No, it's a short version of his last name. Okay. But you can call it that if you want. All right. Damn the virtual computer. Damn you! <laughs> <laughs> Can't you both do it? No. Uh, the game players of Titan, it looks like he's got that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven hours, uh, seven CDs. Is that one the one with the slug aliens? Yes. Like <laughs> aliens, not. It says the few survivors play an intricate and unending game at the behest of the slug aliens who rule the planet. <laughs> Job of the hut. Yeah. These are the earlier ones to <laughs> the hut career, I think. Yeah, these are kind of before he got his decided really what he was writing about, right? So oh. He kind of wrote about everything. Oh. But it's and it's good stuff. Pete Garden just lost his wife in Berkeley, California, uh, but he is has a plan to win them back. That is, 
he is he isn't derailed by the alien psychic traders or his new wife. <laughs> Sounds exactly like a Philip K. Dick novel. His new wife is out to get his old wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Satire and adventure, it says, examining the ties that bind people together and the madding, maddening piccadillos of bureaucracy, whether they're <laughs> bureaucrats or humans or aliens. Sounds good. Piccadillos are definitely maddening. <laughs> so uh, there's one more. Uh, Philip K. Dick. You know, the maddening piccadillos, that's another good name for a band. Hmm. Hey. <laughs> Write that one down. <laughs> have to start a band based on that. Not on that. Time out of joint. That's Another good band name. Last third. Uh, Philip K. Dick. They they must be getting very close to finishing his entire uh, his entire output, except for that uh, the short shortened uh, kids novel. I haven't seen that one out yet. Um, Regal Gum has a unique job. Every day he wins a newspaper contest. Hmm. And when he isn't consulting his charts and tables, he enjoys his life in a small town in 1959. At least, that's what he thinks. But then strange things start happening. He finds a phone book where all the numbers have been disconnected, and a magazine article about a famous starlet named Marilyn Monroe, who he's never heard of. Plus, everyday objects are beginning to disappear and are replaced by strips of paper with words written on them like, bowl of flowers, oh, cool, (laughs) and soft drink stand. While Regal skips town to find the cause of the bizarre occurrences, he disco- his discovery could make him question everything he's ever known. Julie's got that one. Wow. Yeah. Cool. These are good books. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You're giving oh, Julie to Phil K. Dick. Yeah, she took a lot of short stories. We'll see some good reviews from her. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the books I wanted to mention um, is Tears in Rain. It's by a Spanish, well, I'm not sure she might be Spanish or maybe from Mexico, but it's translated from the Spanish. The author is Rosa Montero, and it's performed by our favorite puppet master, (laughs) whose name I can never pronounce, Mary... Robinette Cole. Yeah, thank you. Um, It says, as a replicant or techno-human, Detective Bruna Husky knows two things. Humans bioengineered her to perform dangerous, undesirable tasks, and she has just 10 years on the United States of Earth before her body automatically self-destructs. So it's kind of the struggle between techno-humans and regular humans. But it's, you guys, you know, this is like, this is a book written based on one line in that movie, Blade Runner, right? No, <laughs> you know, in the movie, uh, Rutger Hauer standing on the roof at the end, holding a pair of doves in his hand while he's trying to kill uh, Han Solo, <laughs> and 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 uh, he's explaining, you know, I, you know, why why I did all these mean things, and and he says it's it's pointless because it's just like tears in the rain, and then ah. uh, it, it, he gives it like a big long speech about you know this and that that's the final line tears in the rain and the plot of this novel is exactly the plot of blade runner <laughs> yeah, it from the point of view of the female version of rutger hauer yeah maybe huh. in the like as the world continued on a little bit so it sounded interesting yeah it's 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 uh it it, it would be interesting but um i wonder is there is there any reviews of it oh yeah because it i mean it's it sounds like somebody said we got to do this and they maybe assigned it to her I don't know. You know, it's brand new. So, okay. uh, yeah, it's, I'll be interested to see what, what Paul thinks about it. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, we get a lot of stuff translated from the Russian, but not a lot of things translated from other countries for this genre. So it's nice mm-hmm. to see that happening more. Yeah, that's neat. Hmm. And you uh, say that one, that one came in. Um, you have that one? Yes. Has it been claimed? Yes. <laughs> okay, good enough. No problem. Uh, so frustrating. I know. <laughs> Another no, one that, that a lot of people wanted is uh, The Woodcutter by Kate Danley. Um, it kind of falls under that genre of dark fairy tales that seems to be pretty popular right now. Um, let's see. Cinderella is dead and one of Odin's hellhounds has gone rogue. The woodcutter, protector of peace between man and fae, is charged with finding the beast and returning him to the wild hunt. This one has been pretty well acclaimed, so... With Sarah Coombs as the narrator. Yeah. It's not the same spelling as Jeffrey Coombs, but maybe she has the same <laughs> style of voice. That'd be pretty cool. I, he, he makes a really good narrator, Jeffrey Coombs. Well, and this one manages to combine the Queen and Snow White and Rapunzel and Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> Probably why Juice wanted to do it. She's, she's a big fan of that. Uh, those There's two series right now, TV shows, that are sort of reading yeah. the old Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah, one of them's called Grimm, and one of them is the one I watched that I can't remember the name of. Hmm. Once Upon a, a Time. A couple of comic books that do that, too. I think one's called Fables. Mm. Yeah. There's some popular, yeah, yeah, movies and then YA books. There's a lot of YA fiction right now that's like retelling. There's that Cinder one that's like a cyborg Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That retelling stuff in YA especially is um, really popular right now. Yeah, do your kids read any of it? Um, Yeah, my daughter reads some Shannon Hale and some uh, Jessica Day George. Hmm. His his um, his other kid is an adult now. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> He's off to college. Yep. Wow. Reading reading really good stuff now. Hmm. Yeah, they read Beowulf. Oh, did they? Jesse, yeah, cool. that was funny. He had a class in which they read Beowulf. Did you have a he, chat with him about it? Um, nothing in depth. Oh, could it help? Yeah, you I know homework. Getting <laughs> yeah. used to your you podcast on here. class. Yeah, they should have, right. <laughs> That's funny. It's the ultimate. Right, right. So uh, what, what what do you think percentage of uh, of series on this? This seems a little less than usual, but we do have a few series like this uh, Legends of Muirwood, right? That's the right, f- second, third book in a series, right? They, they sent one, two, and three, so you could sit and get to know the whole thing. The books, the paper books seem to come out the same way too, where they just printed everything at once. Wow, that's crazy. Um, uh, who wrote Jeff that, those? Wheeler. Jeff Wheeler. Yeah, I think hmm. he must be a new author. Um, however, there is a main character named Colvin in these. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It must be good. It must be good then. Must yep. be related. Uh, <laughs> but they seem to be pretty traditional fantasy. You know, castles, servants. Yeah. The art's pretty good on the covers. Oh, yeah. Um, and it looks like he has one that's not in that series uh, called Fireblood, hmm. which is came out this month. The, all three of those came out uh, last month. It, it, it is very strange to see like a whole series come out just like that. Um, 
Well, I don't know. You know, Netflix just released an entire series of a show that they did all in one. Oh, which one was that? Is that the... Uh, House of... Oh, wow. House of Cards. House of, House of Cards. They released, Great. they released all of those at once? Yeah, the entire season. That's cool. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that Okay, so House so, of Cards, you guys... Um, really great British show. And if it's oh. a remake of that, uh, it would definitely be worth watching. As long- oh, wait, it's probably set in the States, isn't it? I don't think it could be a remake. I mean, it's been very heavily set in yeah. DC and South Carolina because the senator, the main character, is... Reworking, a- yeah. Okay, so the British one, it's it's fantastic. It's basically, it's like, you know, how Dexter works, right? You, you're seeing it from the villain's point of view. It's like that, except... The main guy, it's like, yes, Minister, except it's not a comedy. It's a, it's a horror. Well, because the main guy is, he's a ruthless politician who will do anything to get what he wants, which is power. That sounds pretty much like what it is. I've only seen the first two episodes so far, but. Cool. And now also, uh, there's an audio drama of that series as well. Um, Ah. uh, BBC radio drama, I should say. Well, the American version has Kevin Spacey, which oh. he always does a good job at playing people who are ethically ambivalent. So, <laughs> um, but I was done a say, lot of kind on of screen like, work. So, yeah. Well, I just mean maybe the book publishers are doing the same thing. You know, where they just release the whole thing if they have it. Could be. Maybe they got this as a package deal. Maybe he submitted it as all three or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it, it's it, it's. There is like an insatiable demand uh, for you know the the people who who love these books. They, they eat them up, gobble them up. Maybe maybe they'll like they figure oh I'll, I might as well buy, buy all three while I'm here. Mm-hmm. We also did get the first book of a new series, um, Dead Spots, which is Scarlet Bernard number one by Melissa F. Olson. Um, this this it's short summary. Not a fancy, is it? It's kind of paranormal romance or maybe urban fantasy. Mm -hmm. A woman with the ability to counteract magic is in a race against time to catch a killer. So it's kind of one of those, another one of those detective characters, but female. So Mm -hmm. it's a nice change. Um, But it seems to be set pretty much in real life just with some magic thrown in because she interacts with the LAPD as well. That would be urban fantasy unless she's, yeah, I I think so. Unless there's some romance in there. It's hard to know until you listen. yeah. A, it's a point. Uh, like what does it sound movies. like? Sorry, what's that town? Sounds like one of those Lifetime movies. <laughs> so I guess they don't have magic usually. That, that, that's Lifetime, uh, Lifetime Urban or something. Right? It's like a when they get a, a channel like Lifetime and then they they add a second channel that's like just a little slightly more specific version of it. Uh, you know what? That's actually I. I would much rather watch a bunch of para paranormal romance movies than read a bunch of paranormal romance books. Hmm. I, I love every genre of movie. There's not a genre of movie I don't love. But books, they have to be a certain, you know, depth of interest. Uh, they they have to have some sort of interesting idea. Now. It says Trip Christian's got uh, the mad scientist's daughter. Mm-hmm. Is that that's science fiction though, right? N- mm, no, I've actually read it. I got a galley of it from. Oh. Uh, uh, who would that come from? I think it came from Anger Robot, maybe. Um, it's about a robot, but 
he falls in love with this girl he's supposed to be tutoring. <laughs> it's very much paranormal romance. Oh, is it? Almost Aww. disturbingly, to my view. I mean, she's underage. <laughs> I, I felt uncomfortable when I read it, I have to be oh. honest. But it's an interesting, I mean, it's a really big idea book, you know, oh. how how human can robots be and, you know, all those concepts come up. And it, and it feels very sad, most of it. So it's a it's a compelling read. I I posted a story this week um, that I, I actually was channeling Jenny when I was writing it, uh, writing hmm. about it. Um, it's a story by um, Robert Block, who normally is uh, you know he's well respected writer. Um, and so when I found out, oh, this is a Robert Block story. Oh, this should be really good. And I went and looked it up, and and it's like, oh, he didn't write it under his own name. He wrote it under a pseudonym. And it's been it's been republished a bunch of times, probably because it was written by Robert Block. It was even turned into a radio drama, which I posted. And um, uh, it's it's there's like this scientist, and he's built a robot, and it's a baby, right? So it's just learning to do everything. And uh, he hires a nanny who turns out to be uh, the girlfriend of a criminal. The girlfriend of the criminal uh, is taking care of this robot. And then her boyfriend shows up and he kills the the scientist and he says, I'm going to use this robot to commit crimes. And he teaches it, it, it his morality. Um, <laughs> but it's really disturbing because um, he he becomes interested in the woman and and there's all this sexual innuendo, even in like a 1950s radio drama. There's, it was like. And he says, I've just been oiled. Can you come here? It's like, ew! He's oily, he's immoral, and he's oversexed. It was really disturbing. <laughs> I, I thought 1950s radio drama would be that disturbing, but maybe it's just she's, my... She's grabbing my gear? Yeah, he's like, he's really lascivious for a, for a, you know, a child robot. Oh, wait, and how is this channeling me? <laughs> Oh, just I was I I I wrote you or something. <laughs> oh, what do you no? You say don't want, right? Jesse, do not want. Do not want. Jesse, do not. <laughs> do not want. Tam, is there anything on this list that you wanted to talk about? Um, not really. Okay. I mean, I I know who Steven Erickson is, and uh, Bryce really likes him. Mm-hmm. That's like the, that's the last one on the bottom. Uh, yeah, and darkness. it was. It looks like it's the first book of a new series, but it's related to the Malazan universe, if that's how you say it. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people are rereading that other series, including mm-hmm. uh, Bryce, who just did a review for us. Yeah, this book is 27 discs, so that would be a big premise. 32 hours. <laughs> so, wow. He writes long books. It's insanely. 32 hours, holy cow. Yeah. But people seem to really enjoy them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like what you were going to say, huh? The Mongoliad, right? Yeah, that's why. Okay. Yeah. No. It sort of brings in a whole bunch of different people to make the no. world. Is this... No, I think you're talking about something different there, Jesse. Oh, it, yeah. am I? Yeah, that's yeah. not the same thing. No? This oh, I see. Lion of, in Lion and Chains is Mongoliad. Yeah. The, Terp Kristen's got that one as well. It's like... Mm-hmm. Hmm. No, this is like the Malazan Book of the Fallen, that author... It's a big, big epic fantasy writer. Yeah, just one guy. Huh. 
But uh, I, I'm going to read some people. A bunch of people are rereading um, the first book in the Malazan series, and uh, I've been following along with it. I feel they, a lot of people dumb. really seem to like it. Mm-hmm. I never it heard of it. It's like a Gene Wolfe thing where they find all these uh, riddles answered the second time they reread read through. Kind yeah, it seems less fluffy and more in depth, maybe. So, what's uh, cool. anybody take up the uh, Kurt Vonnegut collection? Because oh, I see it's it's pub- those are public domain ones as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes from that same series, that speculative. Right. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. All right. So, what what, what do you think percentage of uh, audiobooks received uh, versus assigned? We doing better than we were. Um. He. Yeah, I still have two good boxes here, so I I think I only have half of them named. I still really really need some urban fantasy people. I did I did get one. Mm-hmm. Um. He's in Sweden, Switzerland, Switzerland. I think so. We're trying him out on one, but um, still need maybe a, a nice woman out there who reads a lot of urban <laughs> fantasy, paranormal romance that would like some Lilith St. Crow and some, oh yeah, and military sci-fi. We keep getting a, the, more of those Area 51 books, too. You're so had sexist, take those Jenny. You, you're saying women are the ones who are going to read this paranormal romance? I, I can't believe that. It's not sexist if it's true. <laughs> I'm a That's got to be women too, right? Oh, I'd love to have a woman review those. I'm a woman who doesn't read paranormal romance, so it can't be every woman. Yeah. It has to be someone who wants to read it. Mm-hmm. I have two more books to talk about that um, aren't physical copies. I got them electronically from Random House. Mm-hmm. Um, the first I've already read and reviewed, and that's 10th of December by George Saunders. And that's more, I mean, he's considered just literary. He's the master of the short story, and he actually reads the stories, too. Um, that was great, because his voice is kind of a little bit sarcastic and a little bit dry. But he has so much humor and darkness at the same time that it just really worked. But one of the stories in there um, was about like medical testing for prisoners so it kind of got into the speculative fiction side of things a little bit. Very dark. But the story's mm-hmm. great. Hmm. Cool. Um, and he's getting a lot of press lately. I don't know. If yeah, he was on uh, Colbert or Daily Show, I think. Yeah. What, what's the name of that book? 10th of December. Right, yes. It's the name of one of the stories in there, too. He made a really good argument uh, to uh, about what short stories were. Mm-hmm. He said something like, "They're they can be jokes, right? Mm-hmm. Novel. It's hard. That's that's a shaggy dog story, I guess. But uh, a a short story is a really good joke. It sort of solves mm-hmm. that feeling you're looking for." And I had read a lot of his previous works too. Um, stories set in like rundown carnivals and just really kind of unique settings. So I really really recommend those. And then I just got, but haven't started listening to Vampires in the Lemon Grove by Karen Russell. Um, she's the author of the short story set St. Lucy's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves and also <laughs> the novel Swamplandia. So I'm really looking forward to it. Her her stories are also really literary, but the way she writes, um, it turns settings into being feeling magical, if that makes sense. Mm. 
Um, she's very descriptive. A lot of her stories take place in Florida, so lots of swamps, kind of like Lovecraft, and um, lots of child characters. So I always really enjoy her. Swamplandia is going to be on HBO. I saw that. That should be really interesting. Uh, uh, HBO shows probably will be really good. Yeah. Yeah, that novel gets really dark, so it would need to be on something like HBO. (laughs) So are we switching to new releases now that we've got through the recent arrivals? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the Audible uh, uh, recent, uh, no, I guess they call it new releases as well, uh, list. And on the first page of the science fiction fantasy section, there's a novel called Poe Must Die. Which is 13 hours, 17 minutes. I'll put it in the group chat there. And uh, it's set in Baltimore, I, oh, New York City, 1840s. A hellhole of crime and squalor. Edgar Allan Poe plays out a deadly game, fighting not only demonic forces waged against him, but also his personal demons. The memory of his beloved wife, uh, the lost Lenore. <laughs> no, that's a different <laughs> wife. And the alcohol he consumes in order to forget her. Pierce James Figg, a renowned ex bare knuckle fighter, has arrived in New York. Uh, sorry, New York from London, carrying with him a letter of introduction from Charles Dickens to Edgar Allan Poe. And you know, uh, Charles Dickens uh, was familiar with Edgar Allan Poe, and vice versa. So that's not it's sounding pretty good so far. Fig is pursuing Jonathan, the sorcerer and spiritualist, the man who brutally murdered his wife. Jonathan seeks the throne of Solomon, which will grant him immortality and dominion over Lucifer, Asmodeus, and all the demons of the upper air. His search has led him to New York. Uh, frail, gallant Edgar Allan Poe and the grieving, brilliant boxer unite in a perilous mission to dis- find and destroy Jonathan before he can achieve his goal of controlling Lucifer and thereby change the destiny of the world. Um, it sounds like uh, a bunch of interesting things put together. I, I've not heard of this author before, though. Mark Olden? You guys heard of him? Mm-hmm. Nope. Not me. Hmm. Huh. I'm, I'm big into Poe at the moment, so <sighs> I thought, That's cool. thought that one sounded pretty good. Yeah, we're right back. <clears throat> And uh, it's it's kind of urban fantasy too, <laughs> just old fashioned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, read by Jim Meskimen. Hmm. Well, um, in two days, there's one that comes out that Tam uh, turned me on to that I'm excited about. Um, it's Far Side by Ben Bova, uh-huh. narrated by Stefan Rudnicki. It should be. I don't know if it's coming out just on um, Audible. Uh, it's a Blackstone audio title, so you may or may it not should be on down, Downpour then as well because they're uh-huh. they're, they're one. Huh. Right, right. So, quick uh, summary: uh, Far Side, the far the side of the moon that never faces the Earth, is the ideal location for an for an astronomical observatory. It is also the setting for a tangled web of politics, personal ambition, love, jealousy, and murder. Telescopes on Earth have detected an Earth-sized planet circling a star some 30 light years away. Now the race is on to get pictures of that distant world, photographs and spectra that show whether or not the planet is truly like Earth, and if it bears life. Farside Observatory will have the largest optical telescope in the solar system, as well as a vast array of radio antennas, blah, 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 blah. That's my kind of stuff. I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. I, I, I enjoy Ben Bova a lot. 
I might check it out too. And Stefan cool. Rinicki is a great reader, so. Oh yeah, can't go wrong there. Now, uh, yesterday I was asking you, Scott. I'm going to ask you again. Please, uh, mm-hmm. please send me that one you got from Blackstone. Then. Oh yeah, fantastic imagine. I am so you. interested. In that. Yep. It's amazing. Okay. Yep, we'll do it. Cool. I'll try to get that ripped in today. It's the Stefan Rudnicki collection with a lot of uh, classic weird stories. Yeah, but also, like, he put it together, too, right? It's not just him narrating. It's his project, so. Um, And he's been in this business Mm -hmm. forever, so I think think it should be good. I'm looking at a lot of Jack Williamson all of a sudden is showing up on Audible as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and James P. Hogan. Yeah, and James. Um, that, that's interesting. James P. Hogan's a hard science fiction writer. Um, his his most famous one is not on there that I could see. Inherit the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one that I first read by him. It's got a very um, iconic cover, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a the cover has um, discovery of a skeleton in a spacesuit on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it was a, it was a good book. And um, there's another one of his on there that I've read in the past that I'd, I ought to give a shot on audio. It's called Thrice Upon a Time. And it's um, a story of messaging, not time travel, but being able to send messages back hmm. and uh, detecting those messages. Nice. So, yeah. That's a good, that's a good uh, theme. That, that was turned into a pretty good movie, too. Was it really? Uh, no, I, you know, that theme. Um Oh, the theme was yeah, the okay. Theme, not that particular. Yeah, gosh, what was that movie? I, I know which one you're talking about. I think Kevin Bacon was in it. <laughs> no, I think that. Am I wrong on that? I think it's a different one. See, it was the, the odds are that he's I was on correct. a show called Person of Interest. Now I can't remember his name. Yeah, Jim Caviezel. Yeah, Jim Caviezel. That's right. Um, there, there's something a little wrong with the physics in that. It's <clears> mostly pretty good, and and it it's surprising, you know, like that you can make a a story in which nobody actually talks, you know, physically comes into the room with someone else and has it still has a lot of tension and drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to, it, it, it was a, it was a pretty good story. That's it. Frequency. Frequency. That's the name of it. That's right. Yeah. I'm not sure why I thought Kevin Bacon was in Because he that. probably could have been in it. You know, <laughs> it's a typical Kevin Bacon sort yeah. of project. Dennis Quaid, Jim Caviezel. And it is a good movie. I, re- I recall this movie. I need to rewatch it. I saw that. It's a good science fiction movie. What did you think of it, Tam? I, I was moved by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I guess cool. It, I guess the actor is a Kevin Bacon type. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That, that's where the the radio has like uh, his his dead father from the past, mm-hmm. and they can interact with him or talk to him. Yeah, and the, yeah, the that's father's played by uh, by Kevin Bacon. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, uh, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> yes, Dennis right. Quaid. Right. Right. So uh, um, I also noticed they they packaged up the entire uh, run of X minus one as an audiobook. Oh. If you go in like six or seven pages into the uh, the new releases, they've put the entirety of X minus one as one audiobook, twenty hours, five minutes, and of course it's got great names as the authors: Ray Bradbury, Philip K. Dick, Robert Heinlein. Uh, Frederick Pohl, Theodore Sturgeon, Isaac Asimov, Ernest Kenoy, George Le- George Lefferts is the adapter, uh, as is Ernest Kenoy. But um, that's a great uh, series. I'm, I'm not sure if you need to get it on Audible. Maybe they've cleaned it up or something. That would make it a good uh, reason to get it there. But also the way Audible puts things on together, you know, maybe 
uh, if it's one big file, that's not the way you really want to access um, a an, a bunch of half hour audio dramas. You want to be able to skip to the next one, right? So, have you guys had much experience with short story collections through Audible? I have, and they seem they seem to be usually pretty good about the chaptered or something. The chaptered, yeah. Okay. Because if they're not, it would be quite nightmarish uh, to yeah. what you're looking for. True. What yeah. I always end up doing is just going back and looking at like the Amazon preview of the book or something like that, just to find the table of contents mm-hmm. again. Because mm-hmm. that's the hardest part to navigate with an audiobook. Absolutely. Yeah. It is maddening that um, they still don't seem to think that a table of contents is important on an audiobook. I know. <laughs> if it's a and short story collection, you know, you know, even if it's a, a novel and there's chapter headings, they ought to put a table of contents on your on your audiobook somewhere. Yeah, completely agree. Especially yeah. if the same reader is reading everything. If you're listening at two times speed like I do, mm. the title yeah. of the next story might just sound like a phrase. So it's really hard to mark. The difference, and they could even do something like chime, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like with the old page turn mm-hmm. books, you know. Right, right. That would really help too. Well, it, in that Star Wars book that Bryce reviewed, uh, you hear the the uh, spaceship Millennium Falcon flying by, and that's the chapter head. Oh yeah, <laughs> those are cool. Yeah, the, the Star Wars audiobooks. Um, you know, I've listened to several of them, and the. Uh, the abridged ones have a lot of sound and stuff in them, but now that they've switched to unabridged, they've kept a lot of that, and it's still great, you know, because there's just something about Star Wars sounds that just puts you in that mood immediately. You know, you hear a lightsaber turn on or something, and it's it's neat that they uh, have kept some of that. But using that as you know, in between chapters and things is really great. I, you know, I like a audiobook that puts a little bit of sound in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a little music break between chapters, or or something. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like it when they do that. Mm-hmm. Some w- Wookie cries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like a lot of sound effects, but something like Star Wars, it's fantastic. Um, I'm not a fan of putting sound effects in unabridged readings of novels normally. Right. But um, you know, and and Star Trek too. I wish that they'd. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of hunger out there for some. I don't know if they'll ever do that again, but, you know, there's so many Star Trek novels that come out. There's no way I would listen to unabridged versions of every Star Trek novel that came out. Hmm. Um, that's all I'd ever listen to, if so. But, <laughs> but they ought to take, you know, they, they, there's a whole bunch of these mini-series uh, of novels of Star Trek books, and they ought to take some of the most popular ones and make audio out of them. I don't know why they don't, because... Probably the hunger is still there. Probably they, because because Disney just bought the rights to make them into standalone films, which is what they recently oh, that's, announced. That's Star Wars. I was talking oh. about Star Trek. Oh god, and Star I Wars. Get that confused. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, they Star, Star, Star Wars has uh, <laughs> Star Wars has tons of audiobooks. They're, almost yeah. everything they do comes out in audio. It seems like. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is astounding how much you could spend the rest of your life listening to nothing but Star Wars. <laughs> No. Who, who can keep up with it? I just, I just don't understand who can keep up with it. But that, um, that one that was reviewed on SFF Audio, the one you talked about, Tam, uh, Renegades, Scoundrels. That's mm-hmm. it. That kind of book. I mean, that sounds like just great fun. 
Um, well, the narrator does a perfect Billy Dee Williams and uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the women, I, I kind of wish they had a, a real woman to do the women. It kind of sounds like a tranny, but uh, <laughs> otherwise it's very good. Yeah. So um, I, I wanted to point out uh, also that there are a bunch of more classic science fiction books on Audible uh, of late. Uh, it's been a while since we did uh, new releases, but... Um, there's a bunch of Lee Brackett books, um, uh, along with the new covers that uh, are beautiful. Um, uh, Eric John Stark series, and that's read by uh, Kirby Hayborn and the Jack Williamson, James P. Hogan we mentioned. But there's also um, there's a new version of Stranger in a Strange Land, which uh, is my, one of my least favorite Heinlein books, but still totally worth reading at uh, one point in your life, right? Um and that looks like it's not being released through Blackstone. It's through someone else's uh, narrator is Martin Doug- McDougall. Um, there's new um, new Jerry Purnell on there, Janissaries. That's an old book, but again, um, it's one I've heard of and kind of interested in reading because I've never read Jerry Purnell uh, on his own. I've always read him with Larry Niven. Um, there's uh, the Time of Joint and the other Philip K. Dick ones. There's a new version of Island of Dr. Moreau, as usual, that's, you know, sort of standard, but that one's put out by Penguin, so they might have put in a, something extra. Might be cool. Soldier. This should be, be interesting to Scott. Harlan Ellison. Uh, oh, yeah. That got turned into a terrible movie, I think. The Terminator? Uh, well, there's that one, too, but no, there's an actual movie called Soldier with Kurt Russell, I think, playing a soldier. Oh, that's based on Ellison? I believe so, yes. Oh, I know that. I believe hmm. so, yeah. I know he sued uh, over the Terminator. Right, right. right. Um, mm-hmm. And then the three that really are interesting to me. New version of The Deep Range by Arthur C. Clarke, uh, read by Stephen Menashe. Uh, Prelude to Space by Arthur C. Clarke, read by Derek Perkins. Um, and these are all uh, Audible Frontiers. And then Earthlight which uh, I've been wanting to read for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. read by Brian Halsopel, who we've, uh, we, I know slightly. Um, and that is coming soon. It says release date uh, last, last year, but nobody's, uh, I guess it, nobody's reviewed it yet, so it somehow got lost in the shuffle. Um, Earthlights, you know, it's a major book by... Yeah, yeah. By him. There's also... Uh, new George R. R. Martin on there, Dying of the Light. I'm not familiar with that one, but it should be. Yeah, that's science fiction. Yeah. It's it, like his first novel, I think. And nobody's reviewed it. No, there's no reviews on Audible. So huh. it's like they're putting them out so fast they can't find. <laughs> people get, you know, they get lost somehow. Maybe HBO yeah, there's, will there's, make a series out of it. There's 7,321 science fiction and fantasy titles on Insane. Audible. Wow. Mm-hmm. We must be helping. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome, Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> there is um, one upcoming title in Brilliance that I'm really excited about, if it's okay to go there. Oh, um, the Mad Scientist's Guide to World Domination. It's an anthology of short stories edited by John Joseph Adams. I think so far I may have every John Joseph Adams volume because I think he does a great job at compilations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably buy this for myself and print and not listen to the audio, but there's some 
really interesting authors on here. Um, Harry Turtledove, uh, Jeremiah Tolbert, Daniel Wilson, but then also people like Diana Gibaldin, Carrie Vaughn, which she seems to be in every anthology, Naomi Novik, um, Marjorie Liu, Jeffrey Ford. Well, that's an interesting group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a really they span a lot of different kind of subgenres, so I think it would be really interesting. Yeah. But the audio is read by Stefan Rudnicki, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Justine Ayer. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. That so comes out. Uh, I thought I said oh February nineteenth, so next week, two weeks. Cool. That's great. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see more of those collections. Um, on audio, yeah, short fiction, absolutely. With contents. Too. Mary Robinette Cole's <laughs> got a list of. Uh, uh, she's got one of her own stories in there too. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know, there was one time not long ago. I mean, since we've started this website, Jesse, mm-hmm. that uh, I honestly thought that short fiction was just on its way out, just zero interest. Well, and um, gosh, over the last four or five years, it's just exploded. It's it's you know it's sort of been running in the background on you know online magazines, but uh, especially audio. Uh, there's a lot of audio magazines now, mm-hmm. like maybe a dozen. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. How many? Yeah. Uh, it's it's you know it's impossible for me to keep up with. Oh but, yeah. Um, and John Joseph Adams runs all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's okay. great. Yeah. I I also wanted to mention there's um new Olaf Stapleton out on Audible. That is um one of those authors, you know, uh, he's he's up there in the names, but I've not I've not read anything by him and yet uh you know, he's super famous. He's one of the creators of sort of galaxy spanning science fiction. Um and there's three books I think. Sirius is one of them. Uh, which is, you know, the name, S-I-R-I-U-S, it's the name of the the star. Uh, the Last and First Men, or just Last and First Men, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of the most famous ones. And um, I thought there was another one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, I have I have really limited experience with Last and First Men. Oh, do you? What? I mean, really limited, uh, meaning that I never finished it. Oh. I picked it up somewhere and I looked at it, but... It's it's really a slog to get through. Yeah. It's kind of like um, I've never read the Silmarillion, but it's like huh. a science fiction Silmarillion is is you know if I understand the description of Silmarillion correctly, yeah. it's just almost like a textbooky uh, just you know future history description. Somebody's got a you review I mean? of uh, of Star Maker, which is another of his. Uh, right. Meditative classic, <laughs> like, yeah. and it's a positive review. But yeah, they're, they're, so yeah, that's one I'm, of the I'm sure it's just chock full of amazing ideas and things. But it's not presented in a in a way that uh, you know in a story format really. There's uh, the one that I hear is most accessible of his is also available. It's called Odd John. Um, uh, let me read the description of that one. Uh, John Wainwright is a freak, a human mutation with the extraordinary intelligence, which is both awesome and frightening to behold. Ordinary humans are mere playthings to him. And Odd John has a plan to create a new order on Earth, a new supernormal species. But the world is not ready for such a change. Um, and that's, that's, I hear that's the most accessible one of his. Yeah. Um, and maybe Last and First Men is the least accessible. 
<laughs> yeah, well, now that I'm older and more patient, maybe I should try it. And, you know, with an audience, Cause you can it, put it, it would be interesting if you want. <laughs> What's that? You could put it on double time, as Jenny was saying. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Actually, you can read the Star Maker and then listen to SF Crossing the Gulf podcast because they're going to discuss. Are they going to talk about it? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they came out with a list of books they're going to do, and uh, wow, I'd definitely be listening. Um, it's going to have a spoiler. Yeah, they, though. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I still have to read The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. I want to read that. And they, <laughs> yes, I do. And uh, um. Let's see, they they did an episode on Crossing the Gulf on that one, and their first episode that just came out is on the sequel to that. Uh, the sequel uh, to The Sparrow, right. Yeah. Right. Of God. Children of God, yeah. I haven't read it yet because I don't want it to be over. Oh. <laughs> that is so cool. I've got to get that read. Yep. Yep. I, I was going to mention uh, Karen Lord's new novel, but it's not. there's no audio version of it. I filled out the form on Amazon that says, do you want an audio version? Click this button. <laughs> <laughs> the best of all possible ways. Yeah, that's cool. I wonder how many people have to vote to make that happen. It's probably not a single number. It's probably a combination of, can we find the author? Uh, can we do... Because there's one... I, I want I want some Henry Treese books to come out. And there's basically there's one in existence right now. This guy wrote, like... 60 novels, all sort of juvenile Viking or historical, you know, YA sort of books, but almost none of it's in print and almost none of it is, uh, you know, there's been two audiobooks and only one of them st- still on the internet. And it's like, I think the problem there would be they can't find the estate. There's no, nobody to contact. Uh, but with a with Karen Lord, I mean she's she's a modern author, right? It should be pretty easy. Just yeah. ten or twelve people sign and say, "Yeah, please make this." It probably will get done. Well, you know, honestly, the novel is amazing, and I'm imagining it will be nominated for a lot of awards, and I think that should be enough to oh yeah push it forward. Um, it's really really very good. Uh, Io9 is going to do a, a read along with it too. We're talking yeah, about March. the best of all possible worlds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay, I just want to make sure, because I don't think we mentioned the name of the book. But um, it sounded really interesting. We were talking about it as in context with the Candide uh, hmm. by Voltaire, right? Yeah, that's right. But I still don't know if it's connected to that. <laughs> uh, well, the title is. <laughs> it has to be, I think. Yeah. Could be wrong. Ask Karen Lord. Cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just you know send her a message. I think she's in Goodreads. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Twitter. If she yeah. says I don't know what Jesse's talking about, then I wrap <laughs> <have> my comments. <laughs> um, I was going to mention uh, Michael McCollum, who's like an indie author. He only publishes on his website, and uh, our first book in his series, Gibraltar Earth, is now an audiobook on Audible. So that's, that's kind of a milestone. And Steve Gibson loves this guy. And it's hard science fiction. Hard science fiction? Yeah. What's his name? Michael McCollum, M-C-C-O-L-L-U-M. Right. His website is something like Arizona SF. Oh, like. I think you sent me a link to that. At some yeah. Point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, I should mention um, they're having a four ninety five sale right now, which I think is for members only. Um, but there are some incredibly great books on this list. It's the best four ninety five sale that I've seen. Um, how, 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 what do you mean four ninety five? It's five dollars. Four dollars and ninety five cents if you don't use any credits. Okay. It's just four dollars ninety five cents. Pandora's Star by Peter F. Hamilton. That's thirty seven and a half hours of audio for five bucks. Um, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress is on there. Mm. Swan Song by Robert McCammon is on there. Canical for Leibowitz. Imager by Lee Modisett. Altered Carbon. Wow. Lucifer's that's a, Hammer. That's a great deal. Yeah, Lucifer's Hammer. For those books? Though, that yeah. Is. House of Sons by Alistair Reynolds. Have you read that one, Tam? Um, I started it. I know uh, Luke Burridge really liked it. Okay, yeah, it's got a uh, really nice rating. I think it's his um, last big uh, space opera. Cool. Now he's kind of getting more mainstream. Factoring Humanity? Factoring Humanity by Robert J. Sawyer. Good deal. Uh, Fuzzy Nation by Scalzi. Um, let's see. Armor by Steaky. Great book. Steaky Lee. Read, reamed. Read, read me. Reamed by Neil Stevenson. How do you pronounce that title? Reamed. And then... <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. Thirty-eight, thirty-eight and a half hours for five bucks. Yeah. Um, on Basilisk Station by uh, that's uh, David Weber's first Honor Harrington book. That's on there. Hmm. And now I'm clicking on Fantasy, Best Served Cold by Joe Abercrombie. I guess they want to get um, into different series. Yeah, and it's a good idea to to get those first books out there. Um, a lot of these books I don't recognize. Replay by Ken Grimwood. There was some buzz about that one a while back. A um, couple of Dean Koontz novels. Let's see. Um, the Lies of Locke Lamora. Great by book. Scott Lynch. Um, Wild Cards 1. I Am Legend. Man. Yeah, five bucks. And spend a lot of money there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's it is motivating to buy things when they're on sale like that because mm-hmm. uh, on Steam, it's which is kind of like the video game ver- or the computer game version of Audible. Uh, whenever they put something on sale, like people go crazy. They just say, "Oh, gotta get it now!" And because it's a sort of a limited time offer, it it it's it's incredibly uh, tempting. Yeah. That, but five bucks, uh, for, uh, any of those, you know, regular price is, is going to be about 20 or more, right? So you get mm. four books for the price of uh, of uh, one. Well, heck, yeah, five bucks is cheaper than a paperback. You can't, you the, can't get any of those for, yeah. you know, it, totally great books. That's, that's mm. an amazing list. Mind you, I think a, a, a number of them are the first books in this series, so it's designed to get you addicted, right? Yeah, but I think I think that's a terrific idea. Absolutely. You know, if you've got a long series that's out, you should practically give away that volume one mm-hmm. to get hmm. people interested in it. I tend to wait for them to have their three for two credits sales mm-hmm. since I always have stockpiled credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of those books have had a lot of um, chatter about them lately. I, a few of those titles recognized from Sword and Laser people talking about them a lot. Uh, Liza Locklamora, definitely one of those. The Abercrombie, very popular in that group. So it's nice. Cool. Not yeah, I read all the there's, a, uh, <laughs> there's a book here by Sharon Shin. 
called Mystic and Writer, Twelve Houses, Book One. I don't I know nothing about that, but Sharon Chin I know wrote a series about angels. Has anybody read any of those? No. The no. first one's called Archangel, Samaria, Book One. Mm-hmm. It's not on the four ninety five sale list, but there it is on ah. Audible. And I didn't know that, so Sounds like Samaria, did you say Scott? What's that? Samaria? Yeah, Archangel, Samaria, Book One. Spelling on Samaria? S A M A R I A. Okay. Oh, so not Sumeria. That's what I. That's what I heard. Oh, the country. Okay. I was thinking of Sumeria. C I M M E R I A. Looks like the first well, novel's called Archangel, and the second one's called Jova's Angel, and the third one is the Alleluia Files, and the last one is called Angelica. Oops, and another one, Angel Seeker. Sumeria. C I M M E R A I A is uh is oh. from. The Odyssey. That's uh, where... Right. Oh, I thought it was Conan. Well, that's where he stole it from. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it's a river. Let's see. Now, uh... Where is he came from Conan? Well, the, the publisher's summary is interesting. It says, this is of that first book called Archangel, a tale of the distant future by the author of The Shape Changer's Wife brings listeners to a world in which the fate of all life rests on the voice of an angel. Hmm. I wanted to tell you that, you know, that get the first one cheap uh, deal also is being done in comics. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, Image Comics does this thing where they they take uh, a series that's, you know, maybe five or six books in, and then they, they just release the first one again uh, for a buck. And at a buck, you know, there's no real uh, commitment to... You know, buying the entire series, you, you try it out. And I got one that looked pretty good the other day called Revival. Um, really good art. And it's it's a sort of zombie uh, thing, but it's done in a small town. Um, but instead of being zombies exactly, they're, they're just regular people revived um, and alive again. And they... Uh, they they're not they don't want to eat your brains but because they're alive again it it's causing trouble with people's lives you know grandma's dead uh we get to inherit her house oh crap she's alive again we have to move out that sort of sort of problem and kind of a i i just love the idea of you know exploring a bunch of comics you can't do that at the library you can't go to the library and say hey can i look at the latest comics they don't have them so the only way to buy it, uh, you know, to to do it is either be rich or do it something like that. Are you getting mm-hmm. it digitally? No, no, I'm talking physical copies. Oh, physical copies. Uh, but there, there is one other one that's uh, coming out digitally that I'm going to probably have to sign up for. Um, the Red Panda, uh, the long-running decodering series, is going to be a comic uh, at the end of this month, I think. Oh really? Yeah, and it cool. he put out the cover for it, and it looked really good, really good art. And one of his uh, his other series was comic once, but it was in black and white. I don't know if this one will be, but it probably won't be, considering it's digital. It's the expensive part is the is printing it, and I think the other one was printed. This is, I believe, going to be a digital uh, one. It's coming from Monkey Brains, uh, which I believe is all digital comic book distributor or publisher monkey brain comics 
Right. Hey, I'm against using monkey brains in <laughs> comics. I just thought I should put that out there. Let's see if I can get the date on that. <laughs> Mask you know of Red pa- Panda coming to Comicology in 2013. Wow. Oh, wow, that looks good. Hard for it. It's looking really good. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in on something cheap, you can buy uh, John Scalzi's latest, latest books. They're like a dollar each. And then in audio form, too. That's a good idea. The, it, it's, gonna, it's almost like he's running a TV series. It's called The Human Division. And he puts out like one short story. I don't know if it's a yeah. week or a month. Yeah, I saw that. And it's both audio and uh, ebook versions. And then later on, they'll all be collected into a book. Huh. Then it's the same universe as Old Man's War. Yeah. I still wonder why, you know, some someday somebody hopefully will bring in some current science fiction authors in a TV series. Uh, didn't you hear George R. R. Martin has been signed up to do more stuff for HBO? Yeah, and I see that, and I'm hopefully hopefully that's what it'll result in. I don't know what he's thinking about doing. Um, but he's not but, really science fiction, not the same way that. Yeah, you, but it's just the fact yeah, he that he's a novelist fiction. and he, he's a, he's he a writer. He has been in TV before with Beauty and the Beast and things, but um, it would be neat to have, you know, Scalzi. I know yeah. Scalzi had something to do with Stargate Atlantis, didn't he? Yeah, he, but it would well, be neat to have some script writing. I know Neil Gaiman writes an occasional Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and. Um, Gosh, you know why aren't why aren't they doing that? Yeah, I, I remember the original Star Trek had like Theodore Sturgeon and Norman Spinrad and yeah, uh, Richard yeah. Matheson, Harlan Ellison. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So George R. R. Yeah. Martin might do uh, Tough Voyaging for HBO, and that was science fiction. Hmm. So uh, I sent you guys a link to the cover uh, to the Mask of the Red Panda, which I think looks really terrific. Have a look at that. Cool. We'll do. It's like the spirit. Yeah, it does kind of look like the spirit, but that's that's kind of how you imagine them from the the audio drama series. It's really. And there's like a Catwoman type character. Uh it's a flying squirrel. Oh. I got in a Twitter fight with Greg as well about football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting in lots of Twitter fights these days. <laughs> Uh, you uh, against football? Oh, I, I said uh, there was two people. I was at the gym, and there was two channels, um, and they were daytime talk shows. Like One was The Doctors, and one was, I think, one called, called The Talk. And it was, I guess, the Friday before the, the big football game. And they had the host dressed in football jerseys mm-hmm. uh, because they're all crazy for, for uh, football, I guess, is the idea. The Doctors <laughs> is crazy for football, and... I guess this other one was doing a football-related show or something, but um, I said, uh, um, I guess football is prole feed for the people who don't like Star Trek or something like that. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, is if you see uh, somebody walking down the street wearing a Klingon costume, you don't, uh, you don't uh, think that's normal, right? Uh, but wearing a football jersey uh, is, or in Canada, a hockey jersey is normal. And I just think that that, that dichotomy is insane that 
<laughs> you know, it's it's okay to uh, to dress in the for a forty year old man to dress in the jersey of his hero, who is a twenty year old athlete. Uh, but it's not okay for somebody to walk down the street wearing their uh, Star Trek uniform. And if the, if you don't see the distinction between those two things, I think there's there's a uh, or if you if you I think you know what I mean. <laughs> you do see a distinction. Yes. <laughs> Jesse, you don't walk around in a hockey jersey. I always imagine I that. Do not. It's it's really strange though because every once in a while everybody does, and it's like they're zombies. And the only people who don't are like really little old ladies and me. <laughs> I was once in St. Louis when they were playing Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and there were lots of people walking around with cheese on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> that That's pretty sentence. close to a zombie outfit or a Star Trek outfit. <laughs> Is it legal to carry a hockey stick in public? <laughs> Uh, people do, but that's usually because they're headed to the rink, I think. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. <laughs>